Joe, I didn't know that we have, um, I didn't know that our podcast had like narrative arc for people. Like that there were, <laughs> that there were stories and like cliffhangers uh, that people were legitimately like curious about. And um, I mean, it kind of makes sense that there are, but I just didn't think of it that way. You and I sit down and we say like, what subjects do we want to cover? And sometimes we cover subjects and we get into the middle of like a really big other part of our lives conversation as an example of the subject we're talking about and then just never talk about our lives again if it doesn't pertain to the subject. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but apparently there are a few people here and there who want to know um, what what's going on in my world, what has transpired over the summer. Or like the status of my gout diagnosis yeah yeah Things like or that. um whether we have started flossing yet <laughs> i'm just yeah, kidding i haven't of course we just haven't. just if you're curious <laughs> um but yeah so i think today we're gonna uh devote an episode to um to determining whether or not i am back in um yeah well just to like to get a little more explicit about what you're talking about, <clears throat> um, there are a couple of pastors that that follow this. Actually, I'm thinking of two people that I know. Um, one is currently a priest, Episcopal priest, and one is a retired pastor um, who really are interested in your story. You left, um, you know, you've been a pastor, what, most of your professional life in yep. some capacity yep. and you planted this church in Richmond in like when did you plant that church 2017 2017 uh, well, we moved here in that, 20 that's I the mean, first church really the process is 2016 we should say that that's the first church that you had like started right right you and Megan together right um and you quit really the first church we had pastored to we had oh, been okay. like, like staff the pastors pastor. at, yep like this is the first time we sat in the lead seat. And then you quit in like April or or May of this year. Yeah, um, kind of, but even the even the word quit is kind of um it's kind of a weird word for it all. Uh because yeah. I don't sure. even know how you quit. Uh <laughs> I don't even know how to. <laughs> There's I don't know who to call to quit. I don't know uh where to send my letter of resignation. Um, yeah. we kind of told you the just whole podcasted community. about it. <laughs> yeah. We just pretty much did that. Uh, we told the whole community <laughs> we're taking some time. Um, and then we'll call you in September and see if you want to come over and hang out and, and we'll talk about it. And we did that and a few people came over and we talked about it. Um, and then we pretty much decided like, okay, so I guess we probably just won't do this again. Um, but that has put us, my wife and I in particular, in some, and, and some of the people in, in that church community, or, or who were part of the, the Risen Church community, it's put us all in a little bit of like, a, all right, well, well, what are we, uh, what should we do next? And so, I guess maybe we could spend some time yeah. today talking about and that whole thing. So, what I started to say is like, the the couple of people that I know that are pastors or former pastors or whatever um, have been really interested in your story and like the ballsiness of quitting or whatever you did. Um, like, I don't know. I don't want to speak for anybody, any Christians out there, but it seems like it seems to me that like what I keep hearing from people is like, whoa. Maybe I wish I had had the stones to do that uh, twenty years ago or whatever. Um, well, that or, makes the you know, just interested in how you yeah yeah how you did it. Well, that's um that makes the conversation interesting. Um, and we'll just kind of get right into it because uh, if we're gonna call we this jingle, uh, I could throw in a little depressing jingle right here. Let's do it. There you go. Preacher, can you still be a preacher if you stop believing all of the right stuff? Will they still let you in if you don't judge the libs for their sins and start telling people they are enough? 
Preacher, are you a Christian, humanitarian, or an atheist? We need you to say, don't say depends on the day. You can't change your mind from time to time and still expect to be hashtag blessed. Um, the... So the thing is, whenever you say something like the the ballsiness of quitting like that and the whatever, the, you know, this episode probably is going to be called something like "Is Drew back in?" or is, <laughs> because what has actually transpired and what has actually happened is we decided to quit, decided to kind of step away, and then we kind of you know several churches reached out and said well if you're not doing that do you want to do something with us and we said no um and they said okay well if you change your mind let us know and that kind of you know then fast forward to you know whatever it's been six months now there's one church community that keeps saying that uh, to the point where I was like, you know what? Okay, you you need to hear uh, Crisis of Faith. <laughs> so I sent them like, you need to know that I'm I didn't quit because my church failed um, necessarily. Like there was a there was some of that, but it pretty much would have kept going the way that it was going indefinitely. It was never a really you had really some big of the church. COVID drops. Yeah, we we had that, but it also like it didn't affect things financially too much. Um, and it probably could have bounced back if we had just said like, all right, well, now that we're back to this, let's let's rebuild and retool and whatever. So I was just kind of saying like, that's not what happened here, though. You need to know that really what has happened here is that I have had a serious, um, I don't, I've gotten vocal and public and honest about my actual faith and my actual connection to this thing. And... Maybe even more than anything, because a lot of the crises, as we've talked about over the, you know, have been things that have been going on for years. There's not a whole lot of stuff that is like brand new for me that, oh, no, Drew doesn't believe in hell anymore. How could he be our pastor? I was like, well, he was your pastor for the last 10 years and he didn't believe in hell. So I think we can probably work through this, too. Like, there, there's a lot of things um, that are uh, that seem like they maybe just happened. But truthfully, like I just started talking about them. Um the real, real, like, craziness and and crisis of the last few years, and the last year in particular, is actually considering that maybe I can't be a pastor anymore, or maybe I shouldn't be a pastor anymore, or, or maybe if I'm going to be a pastor, I can't do it and not talk about this stuff anymore. Um... And uh, so that's really what happened. So there's this this church that we kind of just said, like, well, um, if you're really serious about, you know, me being a part of some kind of leadership team and some kind of um, teaching role and whatever, and you're fine with and okay with the fact that I'm not sure I'm a Christian sometimes. I know for a fact I'm not an evangelical. Um, I read over that again, the podcast that I do with my wife um, we recorded one yesterday and I said something about that. I was like, I just kind of said, Megan is probably still an evangelical, even though I'm not sure she is either. Once I read the the <laughs> sort of four tenets or whatever makes you an evangelical, she was like, oh, that's what an evangelical is. I was like, yeah, we're not that, are we? We haven't been for a really long time. Um, do you know what those are off the top of your head? Uh, I probably uh, shouldn't just breeze over them. Uh, no. Uh, something about um i mean we could pull it up it's it's a famous thing something about the bible and something about yeah it's the bible is the activism. final authority like that's one of them um the final authority like basically all all of your religion all of your faith has to come into submission under something that you found in the bible um i don't believe that i don't think that's true i don't believe the people who wrote the bible believe that. <laughs> um you have to believe that uh the first thing, I think the number one tenet is a born-again experience that basically, like, in order to be mm-hmm. saved, in order to be in God's favor and, you know, eligible for a heavenly inheritance at the end of your life, you have to have a born-again experience that you could look to and say, that's when I got saved and, and that's how that's when I 
confessed with my mouth and believed with my heart that Jesus Christ was Did Lord. Did you have one of those? No. I mean, sure, plenty of them. Uh, but <laughs> right. like, but that's another I, I way of saying like, no, up, I didn't. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you, you had to. Because that's part of. The, I had to to get a license. Uh, yeah. To be a preacher right. at one point, you had to like <laughs> name. Tell us the date and time. Yeah, but like I grew up believing this stuff. I don't know. There wasn't a. Yeah. So you have to believe that. You have to believe in a born again experience. You have to believe uh, that the Bible is the final authority on all all things. It's absolute truth is this text. Um, you have to believe in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. That's the third one, I think, or maybe the second. Yep. I don't know what the order is. But like basically, one. you have to believe that Jesus had to die in order for you to be saved. Which, by the way, the reason it came up is we were talking about, Megan and I were talking about um, the story of Zacchaeus. Um, in, uh, was a wee little man? The, wee the, little wee little, the wee little man, um, which I feel like is not really a part of the story as much as it's just like a beef that whoever's recording the story had with Zacchaeus. <laughs> like, Zacchaeus definitely stole some money from them, and then whenever they tell the story later, they're like, mention that he was a tiny little boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not pertinent to the story at all. It says there's a large crowd, so it was difficult to see Jesus, and he's a tiny little boy and climbed in a tree. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's not important. But uh, And another side note to this side note, Megan started singing the song, and she was like, by the end of the song, she was like, you know, the song doesn't even mention anything about him being a tax collector or him having a salvation <laughs> experience or him wanting to see Jesus or anything. It was just, the story is about the fact that he's a tiny little boy. <laughs> a wee little man was he. Um, okay, so that was side note to the side note. Let me get back to where's the surface here. Uh, right, oh, we were talking about that story. Four things. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about that story. And in that story, Zacchaeus... Um, sees Jesus and makes a decision about his finances where he's like, you know what? I'm going to pay back everybody I ever wronged four times what I took from them. And I'm going to give half of my wealth away to the poor. And Jesus says, salvation has come to your house this day. And Jesus does this a lot. He forgives people of their sins, right? When the man is lowered down on a mat in front of him, he's preaching. He's like, my son, your sins are forgiven. And then to prove that your sins are forgiven. Before he even, Jesus doesn't even know how evangelicalism works. Jesus (laughs) doesn't even follow the rules right. He's like, Jesus, you can't forgive him yet unless you bleed on him. You got (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> you got to cut yourself right there if you want him to be forgiven. You what you just going to forgive him? Um so anyways, that that's what brought the conversation. I was like, see, we're not. Um and then the fourth one is that you have to evangelize. Like basically the the fourth tenet is that you have to believe those three things and you have to try really hard to convince other people of those three things. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Well, we did an episode about evangelism way back when. It was called, I don't remember the number, it's called Jesus or a Vacuum Cleaner. Yeah. Because you said that evangelism was like that one time that you sold vacuum cleaners door to door. Yeah. And we both admitted that we have never evangelized. So we've never been evangelicals, right. even though I, we really, really wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. Even though I was a, I was a professional evangelical <laughs> thought leader for 20 years, really. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, some type of leadership role for evangelicals for 20 years. And I'm not sure. I mean, I might have thought like an evangelical for a little while. But it's been at least 10 since I believed all four of those things. And, I mean, I'm now, uh, when I'm being really honest about it, I don't believe any of them. Like, when I looked at the list of the four things that make you an evangelical, I'm like, I thought I thought the atonement one was the one where I was like, I'm not sure I believe that because, um, I don't know, just because I, I believe the fact that Jesus walks up to people and he doesn't forgive them. He tells them they were forgiven. <laughs> like Jesus walks up to, if you believe Jesus is the the son of, that Jesus is God, which I do still, I think I cling to that because I got to cling to something. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I still cling to that, then I think even on his authority, people are already forgiven as far as he's concerned. It's like, oh, you feel like 
guilt and shame and some sort of uh, religious weight on your shoulders, that's unnecessary. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just making an announcement. Yeah. He's just announcing something that's already true. He's not actually doing the forgiving. Um, he's already done it. That's that's my perspective on it. Um, okay. So where's the thread? The thread is back on this church thing. So a church reached out and I just sort of, you know, said I'm not an evangelical. We're like three layers into it. Yeah. <laughs> Inception, man. Here. We're like a dream within a dream within a dream here. Um <laughs> But I do have a couple of notes that might help me out here in just a second uh, once I'm good and warmed up. Uh, and so after that, we I had a conversation with this pastor and I kind of even pitched to him like, well, well what do you think about a real postmodern approach to this where we could literally, where I could literally say, because he's, he's an evangelical, um, probably even fundamentalist. I mean, a little bit like, like Pentecostal holiness background and kind of still yeah. clings to some of that stuff. I mean, he's a really, really good friend of mine and I have a lot of respect for him. Um, but definitely solidly in those four, those solidly four in those four. And then also has some, uh, what comes along with all religious, like holiness culture kinds of things. Like he has this sort of arbitrary, as far as I'm concerned, very arbitrary list of lines that can't be crossed and, things that are really really important to him not things that he's particularly interested in um and that's the part that's maybe a little bit condescending to this but it is just the way it works it's the the cafeteria christianity thing that always happens um and we end up saying like well yeah i don't have any problem with drinking because i like to drink um but i don't think people should be gay because i'm straight like (laughs) you know there's a little bit of this just sort of creating god in our image thing that happens Um, but in the conversation that I had with him, I was like, well, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be on the side of it's a sin to be gay. I just, first of all, I just don't believe it. Second of all, I don't think the Bible teaches it. Even if, even if I considered the Bible to be the final authority on all things like this, I don't think, I think you got to make some major leaps to even arrive at that. Um, but I'm not going to teach that. Uh, and honestly, if somebody asks me, I'm going to say, well, this guy over here thinks that I think he's wrong, but I still like him and I still respect him. And I think that, you know, most of his conclusions, even when they're wrong, lead him to be a more loving and kind person. So, you know, I guess we'll just leave it alone. <laughs> I'm not going to convince him and he's not going to convince me. Um, and he and some of his leadership are just kind of like, well, yeah, I think we can do that. I think we can have an actual postmodern leadership structure where we could actually have two pastors, two teachers in this church who even say of one another, Adam arrives to the, at this conclusion, Drew arrives at this conclusion, and that's okay. And I'm kind of interested to, to sort of chase that down. That's catching people up. I'm not on a staff position there. I've been teaching the Bible there a little bit, um, helping them out with some music a little bit. Um, but there's a is there a job offer on the table for you there, or is it kind of like contract work? Or not an official one, and uh, I haven't had that conversation like because I don't want to have that conversation because I don't want to feel like now I I need to do it. Um, so what's the arrangement? What's the what's the logistics of that arrangement? Well, it is a, um, you know, it's kind of a. <laughs> this is this is part of how I've arrived at, um, not feeling like a total hypocrite with it too. Um, it's a um, when I'm brought in to cover a Sunday, like to preach on a Sunday or something like that. It's a paid gig. It's like we actually, you know. You're somewhat, I'm, I'm part of that community, I think. Like, I do have friends there. I play music with several people that, that play music there. Like, outside of the church, they're, they're under my employee. Um, is that how you say it? Sure. Yeah, something like that. They, um, so, the, but anyways, when I'm brought in to preach, there's like a, you know, it's a paycheck kind of thing. Um, but contracted work. Um, yeah. but part of the role that I'm supposed to play is to kind of keep them honest about the Bible. Um, 
part of the reason that I'm like preaching there once a month as far as they're concerned. As far as I'm concerned, it was like, well, I don't know. I've depended on this for, you know, the lion's share of my income for <laughs> a really long time. And it's, it's a little hard to just let that go and say like, well, I guess all that was for nothing. Let's just go do something else for a living. Even though I kind of am, um, you know, I'm mostly making a living playing music. There's another part of me that's like, yeah, but if you put 20 years into one career thing, you'd like to still see a little bit of some some cash flow from that. <laughs> um, but the arrangement is, you know, in essence, like, we don't want to have too much of a voice in one direction without hearing somebody come in from the other side and say, hey, let's not get too woo-woo with things, um, and let's not say that the Bible is about things that it's not about. And, you know, if you've taken down a point every, you know, those of you who are taking notes out there, um, for the last three Sundays straight, one of your notes is like, make sure my Democrat friends know that they're wrong. Like we just want to have one Sunday. That's like, that's not a good point to take down. Um, he never said that. Stop thinking that that's the point of every sermon. Uh, so, Okay, I'm interested in a couple of things about this. One, because um, you mentioned like the the money and stuff, um, and you've talked to me a little bit about this off the air. Um, that like you're you're making it playing music, I, and I don't want to get too much into your personal finances or whatever. Yeah. But like, it, how much of this, like, if you're just thinking about this psychologically, is this decision? politically motivated for you or financially motivated for you in a way that like you're back in only because well everybody needs a side hustle and these are the skills that I have or is there something about like wanting to hold on to this in some way it would be so this is going to be a little strange to answer um I like the question but it is a little difficult to answer because um I the way that that my wife and I have talked about it is I have said if I knew there was steady money at this like if I knew this was a job thing or a stability thing that could make it more possible for me to take a few more risks in in music and um then I think it would make the I think it would make things very very murky. It would make it very difficult for me to actually decide if this is something that I want to do, um, something that we as a family want to have as a part of our lives. And um, you know, we took a true six month almost break as a family and said, "Church is not a thing we do. We just we're not going to do it." We even said. Um, even for, for a few months there, like after, after we got over the initial shock of it, there was a few months where we literally were saying, okay, well maybe we'll just never do that again. Like we, we were able to really try on that hat and say, we're just not going to be church people anymore. We just won't be a church going family anymore. Um, and then we arrived at the place where we're at now where we're actually, cause this was on the table the entire, this was on the table two years ago. Um, to, to partner with this church and to to kind of just say, let's just do one thing on Sunday. Like this, this was always an option. Um, to have your previous church just sort of merge. Merge, yeah, at, a, at, at one time. Th- this is actually, you know, someone that I met five years ago before we even started Risen, and he offered me a, a position at his church before he started it. Um, so this is kind of just a, a friend who's been a friend for a while and someone that I've, you know, kicked this around from time to time, a little bit of a backup plan, um, kind of relationship, but it also fell off completely. There was three years there where we basically didn't talk at all. Um, and then COVID hit and things changed for both churches. And then we started saying like, maybe we could, um, maybe we could partner up again. Um, the question you're asking is it financially motivated, politically motivated, whatever? Um, I'm trying my best to keep it from being, um, while at the same time saying it's almost easier if it is. 
It's it's almost like like that would be. A, I'm not trying to keep it so that I'm pure because I don't care about being pure here. I really don't. Like I'll just I'll go on record and say I accept money for a lot of stupid things that I don't. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like half the time I'm getting paid in like sketchy cash out drug money in a back alley of a club at the end of a night. You know what I mean? And they're like, do you mind if we yeah, pay you right. in 20s? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm accepting, like, I played a gig the other night and some guy came up and had, um, <laughs> this is not something I requested. And I don't even know actually what I'm going to do with this particular thing because, um, but he had like a, a bud, like a, a cannabis flower. <laughs> and he was like, you want this? And you're, and I was like, I guess so. You put it in your tip, put it in the tip jar. It's got cash value somehow, I guess. I don't, I, I'm not going to do anything with it. I don't know you or where that came from and I don't trust you. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, the whole wedding gig thing, like I'm, is, is actually a really good example of, of how it feels sometimes to play like worship music in a church. Cause you're singing these songs that sometimes don't have much value to you, don't have much meaning to you, but you look out and people are crying and, engaging in these in these ways that I'm like I don't get it but it's the same thing as whenever somebody pays me to sing your song by Elton John at their wedding and I'm like this is a stupid right. song to sing at your wedding but then you look around and like mom's crying dad's crying bride and groom are crying the whole like okay well it means something to you guys and it's worth money to you so here you go right <laughs> you can go and tell <laughs> <Yeah>. everybody <laughs> um so all that to say, I'm not saying I, I wish money wasn't a part of it so that I could be pure. It's not about purity. It's about honestly like trying to figure out what I even want to do and what, what matters to me in life and um, what makes me feel like I'm really contributing to yeah. to people's flourishing and, and, um, and just to kind of turn it here, uh, I legitimately I'm starting to think that this may actually be a way that has some value. I mean, I think we've discovered that on crisis of faith. Don't you think like that you get in here and you're like, yeah, let's just, let's just break shit. Like, let's just tear things down. And then you start to discover like, Oh, but if we do that, then we do lose some things. And also, um, you start to see, well, actually, when we started breaking shit, it actually helped some people, and it feels good to help people. Um, like, yeah. we really felt like we went first for some people, um, right. and, and there's something valuable about that. And now I'm, like, thinking, what if, I don't know, is there is there a way that you could be a part of an evangelical church, but not really an evangelical, but in a way that you could be helpful to people that you like and people that you love? Like... And get your mom yeah. off your back about whether you're going to church or not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. I have another thought about this, but I want to say more on the money thing. Um, because it does, it's, it's weird having this conversation. Like it's normal having it with you, but it's, it's weird having it out loud here on the podcast because there is um, one of the things I really liked about when we started working together on this podcast you know, we had been friends for a long time, but we hadn't ever done any real work together. And every time you do um, work that has to do with spirituality or religion or whatever, um, there's this kind of expectation, or at least it's perceived expectation. I don't know if it's even real. Um, that like, that it's totally mission driven, that it's totally mm -hmm. like you're... Um, you're just in it to help people. And I don't care if I, you know, if it furthers me or if I make any money or anything. Like the truth is that's bullshit. It's bullshit for everybody. Right. Everybody who ever does anything. Uh, it's just like any other work. Like you're, you're in it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we do this because we care about the work and we care about the people and um, we're, we love what we're doing. But like from the very beginning, we were like, no, we're, we're trying to turn a profit here. We're trying to do something. Um, and just, we're honest about that. And like, you know, I think it's been a, um, it's part of, it's been one of our values on the podcast always to just be honest about everything. Yeah. Um, and so we started out that way. We started out being honest with each other and like not tiptoeing around that. Um, 
So when I bring up the question of money, like, are you in this for the money? It's not to say like, it's not okay to be in it for the money. Um, And so I want to say that out loud, like to people listening in who maybe haven't done spirituality work or, or religion work as a professional. um, Like, that's not what we're saying. I'm, I'm asking you about like in your life, what I hear you saying is I don't need the money from this. Like I could make, I have these other skills. I right. can make my living. I am making my living doing music. Um, and I'm and even saying something it's, about it's stressful to get the money from this because <laughs> yeah, it right. makes it difficult to know whether you even want to. Um, yeah. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> but you do like, there is, there is a part of you that really is trying this experiment because you want to see like, you know, you're interested in, it's the same reason that we're doing the podcast. We are interested in seeing, like, I mean, we are seeing people. We didn't know this at first. We just wanted to tell our story and talk to each other on online. I don't know. Um, but, like, an, almost immediately, people started coming to us privately, sending us messages and stuff saying, like, whoa, I, this is a space where I can be honest. This is the first time I've ever felt anything like that. Um, and that's cool. And like, so you're saying maybe there's hope in the church to do that. If I have this kind of umbrella where right up front, the, the agreement is I'm going to tell the truth yeah. about where I am and what I think, um, which is rare in a church. It's really, uh, it's very rare. I think for pastors of any denomination and any stripe to be able to say, like, I'm just going to be honest with you yeah, about where I am. Can I also make a, I just want to make a little prediction here, tap into my um, prophetic voice. He's going to change his mind. I'm just going to like, I, I know this guy yeah. well and I respect him and, and like him and um, he's going to change his mind and I'm going to have a decision to make eventually about like, well, you can't say, yeah, you can't say all of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I understand that. I totally like, you're right. Like there are, there are social constructs in place. Like there are, there are agreements when people walk into an evangelical church on a Sunday morning, it's only fair to say like, okay, well, we're going to operate within a certain set of parameters here though. Right. I mean like a really, this is a very surface level kind of thing, but I think you can understand like you're not going to say fuck in the microphone on a Sunday morning. That's a social construct. Like that's an agreement we have here, even though you and I would, um, at a bar after church talking about the service or anything like we, we're not going to do that here. So there, no matter how often you say, like say whatever's on your mind, do what that's not actually true. It's not even fair to the people, um, who are part of it. To some extent, you're kind of like providing a certain, service and you're only pushing the envelope so far and so i think there's going to be a point where we have to say like where is the line uh and i'm curious to see where that line is Um, and then you also have to figure out like are you okay with if once you've established okay that's the line that's the thing i'm not allowed to talk about then then you have to make the decision about yeah okay well am i okay pulling my punches here um, or yeah. do I just feel like right back where I was being a pastor? Maybe I have a little more space now, but right, it's still constricting. Right, and that's a yeah. But that's the that's that's one of the difficult things about it all because like all life is like that. I sign a contract for every for every gig I ever take through the agency, and some of them say do whatever you want, play whatever songs you want, say whatever you want, and some of them say don't curse on stage, don't play songs with curse words in them, don't, like, there There are always, like, these kind of agreements to, here's your check, and here are the, here are the social boundaries of the experience that you're creating, um, and so, it feels a little bit, um, it no longer feels icky to me, but I can imagine it feeling very icky to some people, and especially anybody who might be listening to this who may be still in the church or something, um, but I'm, I'm realizing that my value as a pastor is, um, you know, there is, a, there is a spiritual component for sure. I'm a, I'm a 
pretty spiritual person. I think we've established that. I'm I'm fairly superstitious if we want to use um about certain things and um and uh and I feel like there is a lot of value to um inner spiritual work and vertical spiritual work and and horizontal spiritual work to use both of the evangelical words of it like I just think there is value in it. I, I find value in it. I'm also kind of a hippie artist at heart somewhere. Um, but the thing that I think might sound a little bit icky to people is my main value is that I'm an entertainer. Like the bottom line is like, I'm just pretty good with a microphone um, in front of a group of people, like as a musician, singer, MC and teacher of of things that's that's all there is to it like i'm i'm and so even th- i'm i'm thinking about this like relationship with the evangelical church as a well what if this is just another entertaining entertainment gig and it's like here are the social <laughs> rules and here are the and and I'm not going to use it to manipulate and whatever anybody but if there's people who are like we pay for this show and and we like it whenever you do the show then how is it you understand what I'm saying like yeah I'm not trying you got to just with a guitar so some people I'm not trying pay to justify um manipulation and like control over people but if there are people who are like yeah we give like 300 bucks a month to this uh, organization because it makes us feel good to come here on Sunday mornings and you play a role in making us feel good sometimes. Um, so you should get some of that money. Like, I don't know. Is it possible to just have that kind of disconnected business relationship with it Well, without I mean, being gross? Is, <laughs> like you say that and you say, I hope people don't feel icky about it. And you know, I hope people don't feel icky about this, but here's the truth. I, we've both been in church work all of our lives. So I've been around a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers and I've been a preacher. Um, and like, I don't care where you go to church. I can, I would, I would put money on there. are One, there are things that your pastor says, there, there's, there are things that your pastor thinks that they don't say sometimes, right? right? Because of the social rules, whatever, whatever community you're in, no matter how conservative you think your pastor is, or no matter how progressive you think your community is, there are things that your pastor thinks about that they don't say out loud. Um, and, and secondly, there are things that your pastor does say that they don't necessarily believe in that moment. Um, because, just like a musician who, you know, learned these skills and is getting paid to do this gig. Um, they went off to seminary or Bible college or whatever, and they, they learned some skills and they learned how to speak and they got to do a gig every Sunday. And honestly, like, do you believe the same way every Sunday? Like, do you believe as ardently this Sunday as you did last Sunday? My, I mean, I assume it's certainly the case for me that, that's never been consistent. It's never, it's never been that like, I always have my mind made up about everything, but the show has to go on, you know, you got to keep doing the thing because that's what, that's the skills that you have. And that's what they pay to do. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, I don't want you to hear me saying you Chris Christian to hear me saying, that like all pastors are hypocrites or whatever. I don't mean that at all. I think they're being genuine, but, but genuinely like, just like you don't feel like going to work every day. Like they're not always there. Yeah, it's true. They're just not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I took down a couple of notes and it might be, um, I don't know. Just some Wait, of the can things. Can I ask you one question real quick before you yeah, get into yeah. it? There's another thing that you talked about that made me think of something. So I don't know how many times you've taught at this church or whatever. So you might not have a good sense of this yet. But um, I'm curious about the community and how they perceive you. Like, do they think of you as, oh, here's that kind of edgy guy and we don't believe what he says, but he stretches us a little bit and we'll, you know, we like to we like to have a little stretching or is it like, 
we really like we're really on board with this guy. Uh, we want to be in this church because they have the good children's program or they have the best coffee after church hour, but we don't really agree with the pastor. Like where's the community at large? Do you have a sense of that? Um, I think I do. I I think there are, um, both are present. There is a, there is an old guard of this church and anybody who, who knows, um, we'll just give a little bit of inside scoop into how evangelicalism works. Extremely conservative, people keep the lights on at every evangelical church. There's no such thing as an evangelical church that is held up by, um, by extremely liberal uh, progressive thinkers. Uh, those people don't give as much money <laughs> and they just don't not in evangelical circles. Universities too. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. Conservative, um, Largely Republican people like to decide where their money goes to avoid paying taxes. They support things that they like that that prop up their ideals. Um, and then more progressive or liberal thinkers believe more so that the government is where they want their money to go or they're more OK with that. Like they, they want bigger government. Like there's just it's a pretty simple and straightforward um political science converse it's like political science 101 <laughs> so uh this church does have you know is largely propped up by um extremely conservative people who but i don't think they're i don't think i make them nervous um i do think they roll their eyes uh quite a bit at me but i think they also see me as like um they have that fourth piece of the evangelical puzzle where they're like, but we have to reach people who aren't here yet. We have to get the, we have to catch the ear of people who aren't Christians yet. And Drew is that guy. Um, So they'll even allow a certain level of like, there's some flexibility for Drew to say and do and be Drew. um, Because you'll catch the heathen. Because that makes us a little less stuffy. Um, Yeah. And so there, there is that. Um, and then I've also gotten a sense from a couple of those people that they don't mind the, you know, these people really, really like the Bible. Um, they, they really love it. And so somebody who can come in and tell them a story and then say, there's something, uh, in the story that you've never heard before. Let me tell you about it. They like it. It's interesting to them. It's interesting to me. I, I like the Bible and I love it whenever you and I are having conversations and you say, bet you didn't know this. And I'm like, I didn't. How much fun is this podcast? Right. <laughs> so they do that. At, um, and then there's another section of people who I think are um, much, much more liberal thinkers in this church. And it's the younger people. I mean, in general, like once the baby boomers are dead, I don't think the evangelical church will survive. I, I don't know if it's going to make it another generation. Um, but there are younger people who are happy to hear me representing other, you know, the last time that I preached there, I made a comment about, um, it was pertinent to the message. I wasn't trying to like bring something up that hasn't been in the news for a while, but it was pertinent to the message to talk about black lives matter. And I was basically saying like following, following Jesus and for me largely involves, saying to people who are saying who, who tell me that they feel oppressed saying okay well if, the, if you feel oppressed whether i feel like you are or not whether i feel like you have any reason to be or not if you feel oppressed then you're oppressed and i want to p- take part in your liberation um i made that comment and i heard from a couple of people afterwards that they were like it's so good to hear that perspective represented here um so i you know, I think both things are in the room. It's also a church that you look out every Sunday morning and half the people are wearing a mask and half aren't. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I kind of value that. Like, I'm, I'm looking at that and saying, well, this is an interesting collection of people. This is something like what I would hope some churches could possibly be able to do. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, say, you believe some things and you believe others and there are people who believe that the vaccine is um is the mark of the beast and other people who think that's really silly um or who don't know what the mark of the beast is at all we've never heard of (laughs) um yeah did that respond to your that was an aside um thing yeah 
And my answer was like, I think pretty much everybody is present there. Um, I don't know if anybody's, oh, and I, there is a third category and it kind of gets into like the first of, of a few notes of things that I wanted to say. There's a third category of people who just don't give a shit. They don't care. Like just a whole lot of people in church, they just don't care that much. They're not paying attention. They're not taking yeah. notes. They don't know what's they're, being said. They, they're, they're doing it for some cultural. There's some mag. There's some cultural magnetism, um, that draws them in. Well, it's and nice. They, it's an e- easy place to have friends, right? Yeah. The church gives you a a instant community of people that care about you to some extent. It's a it's a cool place for your kids to go. Yeah. You know, and and make some new friends outside of school and be able to play around like. Yeah, there are there are tons of reasons to go to church that have nothing to do with what's being taught. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people that's not. I would I would guess that the majority of people <laughs> what's being taught is not their motivation. I suspect that is most people. So I'm I'm fully in that camp now of just saying like, you know that that's the part that's interesting to me about it that I basically left or or felt like I needed to leave because I couldn't play the game the way I thought that I needed to play the game. I couldn't say that I believed things I didn't believe. I couldn't, what, and I couldn't deal with the hypocrisy of it all either. Like a whole bunch of people who said they love Jesus and, um, and also carry guns with them everywhere. Like I, I couldn't, but now, um, and this is the first thing that I actually wrote down. Like I'm realizing that, um, I get it. It's okay to stop taking it so damn seriously. Like (laughs) it doesn't, Heaven and hell don't lie in the balance for me anymore. So yeah. I can actually just walk in and say, like, are there people who are hypocrites in here? Yeah. Just like there are at Target. Um, <laughs> just like there are on social media. Just like there were at the yeah. wedding we played music for last night. Like, there's some people who don't think these two kids should be getting married, right? <laughs> but they still came to the wedding. Um, I, I think that's that's a big thing. Yeah. It's the Rachel held Evans, I think was the one who said, um, ex evangelicals aren't those who dropped out of church. There's who they're graduates, right? They're not church dropouts. They're church graduates. <laughs> um, yeah. I landed at most of my conclusions because I took it so seriously and right. made it so central in my life. Like I actually thought that this was the most important thing about being alive was studying the Bible and going to church. Um, and I now think that's absurd. I, I, I now think that's crazy. Um, and so it can just be a gig and it can be a social circle and it can be, you know, a bit of a country club kind of thing for us. Um, and I'm okay with that. So that was thing one. It's like, I just, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm finding a way back in potentially by not taking it so seriously. Um, does that make sense? Did that come out yeah. clearly? Um, and then there's a few things that are a little more serious. Do you you think we should just kind of power through the the last little bit? We're sure. I think yeah, we'll get it all in one. Um, this is stuff you and I talked about, and it was the stuff that we were like, all right, that probably should have been in an episode. <laughs> um, but uh i uh i don't think i was ever for the first 32 or 33 years of my life i don't think i was ever truly depressed um when when i operated under a construct of I am building God's church on the earth as a pastor. I'm doing the most important work there is to do. Um, I never once felt like, like I couldn't get out of um, a place of despair or whatever. And in the last year, I've had quite a few occasions where you know when I stopped believing which is you know it's a delusion of grandiosity (laughs) is that the right is that the right word it's delusion I know that but once I lost the delusion there was also a bit of like 
there were quite a few moments where I'd roll over in bed in the morning and think like, you know, what's the, what's the point today? I don't, I don't have a job really that I have to do today. I don't, I'm not saving the world anymore. Um, so (laughs) it's, uh, ultimately it, yeah, go ahead. See if you can help me navigate how to say this. (laughs) Does that, well, I don't, I I think that's great. (laughs) I think, I think what you said is great. Um, does this help? Like if you're not taking it seriously (laughs) or not, you know, if you're not like if, if people's eternal souls don't hang in the balance and if you're not saving the world, you're just doing a gig with some skills that you have. Right. And talking about stuff that you're interested in. Like, does that do the trick? I think it does to some extent, or I think it can. Um, Because, what I feel like this has given me the opportunity to to realize and reconcile with is the reason I never that I don't recall and I'm sure I had sad days, right? There there were but sad days and like periods of depression are very, very different. Um I I think I'm a little more clear headed on the idea that it was not the delusion that made that such a happy time that I could actually drop the delusion that I'm saving the world. And this is going to sound a little, um, maybe, maybe, maybe pious or spiritually arrogant, but I think my, and, and my wife's motivations in this were always pretty pure. Like, I think we actually, really believed that this was the most helpful work that we could do to like really be there for people. I said often, um, at risen, it it became a thing that was like, you know what? I almost wonder if we can we write something like this into our bylaws and like, just let it be said that I I had said to people, I want to be the kind of pastor in your life. Um, if you want to call me pastor and you want to think of me as a pastor, I I find that weird, but if you want a pastor, this is the kind of pastor I want to be. Um, I want to be a pastor that if you ever pick up a newspaper or check out Facebook and the article, the article heading is local pastor Drew Dunbar found drunk in a ditch somewhere in Chesterfield County, that your reaction would not be, um, oh, I can't believe that. Your reaction would be, well, which fucking ditch? Let's get him out. Like I, I really thought because that's what he would have done for us. That that's that's the role he played in our life. Like so, there was a thing that that I, I don't think it it was the the grandiosity of it, the the delusion of it that actually gave me joy and peace and purpose. I think it was the reality that I was really thinking of my life that way. That I was really thinking, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who's going to help people when they need help. I'm the type of person that people can call when they can't call anybody else. I'm the type of person who's not going to show up and judge. I'm I'm the type of person that, you know, when when your mom attempts suicide and you don't know what to do and you don't know who to call, that you call me and you say, "Will you please go visit my mom?" Um I don't think they'll let anybody else in, but maybe your clergy badge can get you in and I know that you will only be helpful. Like I think I'm seeing that that is the role that really mattered to me. Like that's the thing um, that I I thought, oh shit, I lost the delusion. I used to believe I was saving the world. Now I don't believe I'm saving the world. So now I'm depressed. No, I think it was honestly like I stopped thinking of my job here as like, trying to be helpful and trying to help people navigate really big and scary questions and really tumultuous stuff in life and um, the sort of therapist aspect of it all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I I mean, that's part of like, that's something that people talk to us about a lot. Um, Like something I get messages about probably weekly um, from people who are, are like I 
who want that. Like the, there's not a lot of places that you can do that. Like the thing, <clears throat> the reason that um, being a wedding singer doesn't completely fill your bucket, right? The reason that you were yeah. waking up like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not because you didn't have work to do, but because when that marriage implodes on the wedding night, like <laughs> those people aren't calling you as the wedding singer yeah. to process it. Right. Um, and there is something about the church. Some churches when it's done right, uh, where there is that kind of community that there are at least some people there that you can really count on in your life. Um, and like, that's, that's the problem of the crisis of faith, right? When you're like, cause it doesn't matter if you, if you are like, you know what? I can't believe in hell or I can't believe that the Bible is, you know, the inerrant word of God. Well, who fucking cares? The reason that it matters is because that then there are gatekeepers that that means you mm -hmm. either are kicked out of this community that that really mattered to you or you can't show up in this community as your authentic self. Like you can't be honest about who you are and what you're thinking and what you, you know, um, and either way you've lost, you've lost that thing that you were hoping for. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, dude, I, I get that. Um, yeah. That's, it's a, it's a real catch 22 about, being a part of the church <laughs> <laughs> i mean and the, there's a i don't know maybe there's something kind of full circle about the idea of of saying maybe this never was primarily maybe it never was first and foremost a set of beliefs or a religion for me maybe it's just my culture it's just the it's just the the current i was swimming in it was just it's just what we were drinking, you know? Um, and now to kind of go through all of the existential angst and dread and difficulty of, you know, going from getting married at the age of 21, um, having three kids over the course of a decade and a half and being a you know, living in six different states and all these different, like all of these experiences that kind of build up and then come to a head and then implode or explode or, or have a, a real crisis, like the whole thing falls apart. Um, that as you begin to put it back together, that, that I would feel some sense of urgency and some sense of like, well, there's people who haven't gone through this yet or people who are in it right now that maybe I could help them with that a little bit um and do i have to play by the rules of evangelicalism and christianity to do it well yeah <laughs> yeah maybe i do maybe i have to kind of just go because it's the culture it's the same thing as you know you play at a jewish wedding and they ask you to put on a yarmulke you you do you put it on you don't ask any questions like those are the rules here why would i <laughs> <laughs> you 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 walk into a, a house and um and y you know you're invited over for dinner and they're like we're all we're all vegans um because of our religion and our commitment to like well you don't bring meatballs um <laughs> to the party you just kind of you follow the rules because you want to be like a decent human and so i think there is a way of taking apart the stuff that sucks and and the the stuff that's used to manipulate while also saying but i know some of you guys really believe this and you find a lot of like your house of cards is is fine and you're not hurting anybody with it and i don't know um the final yeah. note that i had for myself was go ahead and well i was, i mean the difference there is like the difference that you're having between this new kind of gig preaching stuff and being a pastor is like you don't bring meatballs to the to the vegans house because you want to eat a meal with them and celebrate together and respect their 
right. respect their dietary restrictions and so forth. But you also don't pretend to be a vegan, right? Right. You, right. you say like, this is not what I do, but I'm doing it tonight. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly. fine. Um, it, it would be if you had to pretend to be something you were not in order to be invited. Well, that's a totally different relationship to what's going on. That's profound. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of people feel like that in church. It's either I leave or I've got to pretend to be this and I'm and, not this. And I, I want to be a part of this community, but I'm, I'm not here. I'm not this. And I want to make a point to say those people are, are right a lot. <laughs> I am not sitting here saying, no, it's fine. Be gay and go to an evangelical church if you find value in it. No, don't. Please, God, don't. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. That's not the situation um, that we're addressing here. I'm, I'm actually talking about something else. Um, yeah. And I do happen to be um, uh, culturally acceptable to this group of people in a lot of the ways that if I weren't, then I, this wouldn't even be an option. But that's true for everybody. I mean, everybody just kind of has to find, like, what's the gig you can do? Like, what's the thing that you're kind of well-equipped to do? Where can you be helpful? Where can you be um, fulfilled? Um, And I don't know. And it it does all lead me to the, like, this final thing. And I think this is potentially probably turning over a leaf with um, crisis of faith, or at least my role in it, too, or or my role in it, um, is thinking back to like when I was in um, some of the things that I liked were like, I wasn't ever depressed because I was one of the other things though, is I, I always gave people the benefit of the doubt a lot better when I was in, like I just had this, that's part of being a pastor. It was just like part of the role that I was born to play a little bit was just like, I don't think it's that I assume I don't think it's naivety I don't think it was like assuming that everybody's better than they are I think it was more of like no I know how terrible everybody is and I'm fine with it um <laughs> like I, I know you're way worse than you put on and I'm okay with that I'm even because okay I with the fact too. that you're lying about it I am too I got it down um but I kind of didn't do that in this season like I was a lot more judgy and mean towards people um you know religious people in in particular i still think like there's a lot of really really terrible stuff that needs addressed and um and people that i think are just stupid for and and ignorant and whatever for the things that they do and say with their religion or for their religion or, or with their racism and their homophobia and all of that um but I think there was a time when I was in it and I always knew that white evangelicalism was racist, but I was also like, I had a little more grace for that and a little more of like, maybe I can help inch them forward a little. Maybe I can help them see some of the holes in this more so than just taking a step out of it and then yelling back in at them. And I definitely did a lot of that in the first year of crisis of faith. It's like, it's when my parents stopped listening. It's when, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Whenever I just let down the the filter completely and just said, screw people who voted for Trump, screw people like, and I, I still, I feel that, but I also am like, I don't like that about me. I, I don't like being that guy. I'd rather just be the person who is, um, expects people to be awful and loves them anyways <laughs> like oh you're not not like oh you're racist let me tell you what's wrong but more like oh you're racist yeah figured figured you were um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would you be willing to hear my side on why uh taking down the robert e lee statue is probably one of the best things that the city of richmond has ever done um that's all I got. Yeah. Well, I I mean, this am is I like, back in? I don't know. <laughs> sort of half-assedly back in. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think this is just a really good conversation. I like it's to me. This is what 
we're you know we've never we've never been like if if anybody looked at us as much as we like want to buck against it everybody would say well yeah you're like pastor people you know you do <laughs> you do religion podcasts you work at churches like yeah i mean we we've never been out <laughs> yeah uh we've never been you know we're a- angry i'm still you know maybe you maybe you give me a vision of my future you're a few uh you're you're some ways ahead of me on the journey or something i still feel mostly pissed about yeah. <laughs> about the church uh, and and feel like i'm getting angrier all the time um is it but i think the i, I think the thing is cuz me too when i let it happen <laughs> i mean the thing is just like i think i'm just saying but that's not working for me yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's like the inner therapy that I'm doing is like, yeah, when I look at this stuff, I get mad. So maybe I'm just going to stop looking at it. <laughs> like <laughs> when I read the news, I get scared. Like, so I just stop reading the news. Like, I, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a whole lot of YOLO mixed up in where I'm at right now. There's a whole lot of like, sure, this is it. So I don't want to spend the whole thing mad. If people want to be shitty. That's on them. I'm not going to be. Like, I think that's... <laughs> yeah. So, for all you people who are, like, really just following along with Drew's story with bated breath, here is the next installment. This is it. <laughs> now we got to get the next part of Joe's story, where he says, all that stuff Drew's feeling... Ha-ha. Ha-ha. <laughs> Preacher, can you still be a preacher if you stop believing all of the right stuff? Will they still let you in if you don't judge the libs for their sins and start telling people they are enough? Preacher, are you a Christian, humanitarian, or an atheist? We need you to say, don't say depends on the day. You can't change your mind from time to time and still expect to be hashtag blessed.